Welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. Today, we are honored to hear from wife, mom, and co-founder of Project 42, Tara Mack, and the Bridging the Gap director, Angie Getz, as they have a conversation with me, Kristen Ostrom, as I am guest hosting today for the podcast. In this episode, you will hear about BTG's Hope Project and learn about one of our recipient organizations, Project 42. We discuss the 42% of the world that has little or no access to the gospel, why there is an urgency to reach the lost, and how you can make an impact today. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Angie and Tara, welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast. It is an honor to have you as guests today. And before we get started on this whole conversation where we're talking about missions, Angie, if you could just start by introducing yourself. Sure. Well, um, it's fun to be on the podcast today. So I'm not on here very often and, and I am a listener like many of you. So, um, I am the new-ish director of, of Bridging the Gap. So it's been a, almost a year now. And so it's feeling a little less new every day um, and feeling uh, just so excited and honored to be in this role. And I am the mom of three. I have a 19 and 20-year-old, two sons. I have a daughter who's 15. Um, I've been married for 26-ish years now. And, um, my husband is on staff down at Cornerstone church down in Austin, Minnesota. And we've lived down there for all, uh, been in ministry for 24 years. We've been there all 24 years. So as youth pastors for a while, and then, uh, transitioned into executive pastor role for my husband. And, um, I, uh, worked in the marketplace for a long time as a property manager and, I'm an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God, and I'm wrapping up my 11th year on our school board in Austin. So that still kind of keeps me busy for a couple more months yet. But these days, my life is filled with all things bridging the gap. And um, I've said more than once that when um, after 25 years, when Carol Lund retired, she left the cupboards really, really full for bridging the gap. And we have so much to look forward to. So that's just a little bit about me. Tara, go for it. Tell us about you. Awesome. Well, thanks, Angie. And thank you, Kristen, for having me. Um, it's an honor to be on the podcast. My name is Tara Mack, and um, I am a mom of three. Um, and my husband, Justin, is uh, has been on staff at River Valley Church for uh, 15 years. We've been married for 16 years, and we have Amelia, who's 11, William, who is nine, and Savannah, who is three. And um, we have lived in uh, the South Metro Apple Valley for all of our marriage, um, a lot of our married life. While uh, Justin has been in ministry, I spent time doing public policy uh, work, working for state government. And um, just not too long, we'll get more into this today, but I have uh, gotten the privilege to work alongside my husband um, with Project 42, which is what we're going to be talking about today. But it's my greatest uh, joy and privileged to get to do so. Um, but besides that, I love, love being a mom, love raising and, you know, raising my three little ones and running around like a crazy person more often than not, it feels like in this season of life, but we consider ourselves uh, so blessed and fortunate and, you know, getting to be in ministry all these years have learned a lot. Um, so we look forward to the discussion today. Wow. Well, thank you both for coming on. And Angie, it's been an honor and a blessing to get to serve directly under you for this year. And we were talking a couple of weeks ago about even your vision for Bridging the Gap coming up. And you mentioned uh, missions and generosity to, to stay main focuses. And so that is the purpose of today's podcast. And so Tara, as we get started, just for the sake of everyone being on the same page, how would you describe missions? Well, missions is a word that I would imagine most of us are pretty familiar with, and it can be used very broadly in uh, a lot of contexts right now. But I would say, um, and on behalf of you know my husband and I and the organization that we run, that we see missions biblically as very kind of clearly defined as 
when an individual or someone leaves their culture, their own home context to cross either a like physical language, cultural barrier in, with the purpose of proclaiming the gospel. Um, and that that is when we see, you know, Paul throughout uh, the New Testament, when he is going um, on his missionary journeys, he is crossing those different kinds of boundaries with the express purpose of proclaiming the gospel to those who haven't heard it. And so that's how we view missions um, and the biblical, the biblical concept of what it looks like to engage in missions. That's awesome. So from a personal level, what has your story of gaining passion for missions been like? You know, one of the most clear memories I have as a child, and that really dovetails with this whole concept of where I remember missions really being placed on my heart was, um, I actually, I grew up at Oak Hills Church in Egan, Minnesota. And I remember when I was 10 years old, sitting on my pastor's family room floor, and all the other kids were playing downstairs. It was kind of like a, like a small group type of a, you know, thing that we were, my parents were at. And I wanted to sit upstairs um, and there was a missionary that night. And I remember sitting on his living room floor and um, hearing this missionary tell story after story about the people that he was um, ministering to about why he decided to leave the United States and go to a very difficult place and what the Lord was doing with his obedience, the struggle, the faithfulness, the miracles. And I remember just sitting there that night with tears streaming down my face, not even totally sure how to understand what was happening in my heart and mind. But I remember leaving that night and just knowing in my little heart, like what that man is talking about, that's what I want my life to be about. And that never left me. Um, and you know, in the Lord's beautiful plans and purposes, he brought mine and Justin's lives together. Justin also had a very, um, strong heart for missions. Um, the home that he was raised in and experiences he had had. And, um, and so over now the past 16 years of doing, getting to do ministry, um, at river Valley church that has a very strong focus on missions to the nations and the unreached, uh, people without access to the gospel. It's just really fostered a heart for the nations and a real fascination burden to understand God's heart for the nations and just a prayer that says, Lord, I want to see the world. You see it. I want to hurt for it the way you do. And so that's really been um, my personal journey. And it's just been the greatest joy. Wow. I love that too. How when you were a kid is when you started getting this passion. And for me, it started when I was a kid as well. And I was mm-hmm. just really interested in Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. And then I went on my first mission trip when I was 14 and thought about it for the whole next year. It was the first time I got to see poverty quite like that. And helping kids learn more about missions and the world is is really powerful. So with that, I wanted to ask you, some have a huge passion for missions and others, there's compassion for it, but not necessarily the same burden or same emotions attached to it, what would you say to someone that is maybe not on the super passionate end of the spectrum? Is there something wrong? How can they gain more passion? What would you say to someone like that? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. A couple of thoughts. I would say the first thing is no, it's not, it's not that there's something wrong with that person, I think, or anyone who struggles with that. I think all of our hearts have a tendency to, um, you know, sometimes stay focused on, on the things that God wants us focused on. And I think it takes a submitted heart in any area of our life, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, um, issues the Lord wants to deal with in our own heart, within our own family, within our community and the world beyond. And, um, and so I would say first and foremost, to make it a matter of prayer, I think for us all to have a daily posture of Lord, give me your heart, give me your eye to see things, to discern things. I want to care about what you care about most and we're misalignment, then please reveal that to me. And I think a submitted heart and a willingness to really allow the Lord to penetrate that 
both just in time spent with him, but certainly in reading his word, it will become more and more evident. And I believe the Lord will wake hearts and minds up to his heart for the world. I also think the awareness piece that you mentioned, you know, I think that in our worlds and and we're, we're all there in one capacity, whether we're career, raising our families, just the busyness of life, we are so easily distracted. And, you know, I just think sometimes it's, if, if you want to understand God's heart for the world more, if you want to develop a heart for missions, I would encourage anyone to resource yourself. And, and we can certainly go through that at some point in this podcast, ways to do that. But missionary biographies are powerful and they are things that invigorate my heart for those who are willing to go to the front lines. Um, getting in proximity wherever you can to missionaries. They're some of the most inspirational people that I know in my life. Um, and so I just think awareness and proximity, however you can get it, you will find in short order that if your heart feels a little apathetic to the nations, a little apathetic to missions, I can almost promise you with a heart that says, Lord, wake my heart up to it. He will be faithful to do that and open up parts of your heart that you've never had open before. Yeah, Amen. That's really good. Thank you. So with awareness and resources, can you just explain a little bit more about Project 42 and what you're all about? Absolutely. Part of Justin and I's story and how Project 42 came to be is that we both always say we're we're not exactly sure when we became particularly aware of the fact that there are unreached people groups around the world. But sometime in the last 16 years of doing missions work and getting to travel around the world, we became increasingly aware of this issue that we call the unreached. <laughs> and, and basically what that term means, and when we say it, we are referring to the fact that there are 42% of the world that have no access to the gospel. That means no missionary, no scripture, no church, no believer among them, that even if they wanted to know and hear about Jesus, there would be no access point to find that out or very little. And when we found, when we found this out and continued to study it and learn it, we just got increasingly burdened, increasingly agitated by it. We did our research in terms of what we were hearing versus if the statistics, according to the World Encyclopedia, the Christian Encyclopedia, everything that we could research was backing up some of what we were hearing. And we realized that it's not that 42% of the world has rejected the gospel. Like they've, they've heard it and they've taken a pass or said, nope, that's not for me. It's that 42% of the world has never had a clear presentation, a clear explanation that Jesus came and died for them to save them and offer them eternal life. Wow. And it's so hard for us in the West when we have heard it so clearly most of our lives, or you could stumble upon a radio station, or you could find a Bible in the side table at the hotel room you're staying at, or you could see a billboard driving down 94 all of which to some capacity give you a resource, an idea of the gospel message. People in these places around the world, no such thing exists. Mm -hmm. And so um, this burden just grew in us and grew in us. And we realized that as we researched it, less than 10% of all missionaries are going to work among the unreached wow. and less than 1% of all church resources are going to the unreached. And so Justin and I kept finding ourselves getting, um, I guess, more and more worked up about the situation and just that, Lord, something more can be done and said, if you're willing to use us, we'll do what you put in our hands. And so we got this idea of what if we just tried to talk about this and raise awareness and tell anyone and everyone we can about the problem. Yeah. And then raise resources to start to swing the pendulum. And so that about six years ago. And what that's looked like now is over the years, we bring people together and we tell them about this issue, about lack of missionaries going to the unreached, the lack of resources going, and the huge problem of 7,000 people groups without access to the gospel. And um, we have seen the Lord work in incredible ways, and we are getting to stand alongside 
some of what we consider the absolutely most amazing people who are willing to go to the front lines of the unreached. They're going to hard places like uh, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, China, North Korea, and they are taking their families, they are taking their little ones, and they're saying, Lord, we'll go. If it means these people have never had access and we can take it to them, we'll go. And Justin and I have gotten to walk alongside some of these people for the last 16 years and consider them some of our dearest friends. And we said, if they are willing to do that, if they are willing to go, then we are willing to do whatever we can on their behalf and to advocate for them. And one of the big visions behind Project 42 is that over time we have seen over the past many years that kind of this chasm that exists between people, individuals, business owners, churches, who once they become aware of this problem of the unreached, they wanna engage, they wanna do something about it, but they're not always sure where to start. They're churches of all different sizes. Some have missions departments, some don't. Some have the ability to kind of figure out, okay, we wanna do something, where do we start? Yeah. And on the other side of that chasm, is these frontline workers who are working in these really hard places. And because of security issues, they can't be all over social media. They can't have a huge online presence. They can't be loud from the stage where they don't know if something's being recorded because it would jeopardize everything that they are doing overseas. It could jeopardize their ability to keep doing the work that's best case scenario. Worst case scenario is it jeopardizes their safety, their security and the safety and security of the local believers and people they're trying to reach. And so Justin and I kind of saw this chasm and said, what if, what if we could help bridge that chasm and be a trusted partner in the middle that says, we can connect the two. We can connect the churches, the individuals, the business owners who want to put their resources and invest in the great commission that is happening over here. And we can celebrate the stories and protect the security of the people doing the work and kind of create like a, like a funnel to make sure that we're doing what we can to swing the pendulum to see more resources going to the unreached. So that's really the vision. We have six critical areas of investment. These are areas that we see as very strategic to tackling the issue of the unreached. And those areas are missionary mobilization, sending more missionaries to the front line, supporting them monthly, helping them with startup costs, scripture translation. There's 1,800 people groups that have no scripture in their language, not a single, think of your favorite Bible verse, not John 3.16, not Psalm 46.10. They've never been able to read in their own heart language a piece of scripture. So we see scripture translation as critical. Church planting is another area. Creative access is another area of investment. 60% of unreached countries are closed to traditional missionary means, meaning you cannot go in with a missionary visa or a pastoral visa and say, I want into your country you will get shut down very quickly. So they need a business visa. They need a legitimate reason to be in the country outside of gospel proclamation. And so we help with the funding for some of those creative access um, opportunities. Very often they're businesses. We also invest in compassion. So helping with the felt needs in many of these places and then awareness, um, investing in awareness, which looks like helping with the publishing of books that talk about the unreached. Um, funding conferences that will help educate on the unreached, things of that nature. So those are the six critical areas of investment that we invest in um, as we try to go after this problem of bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. I, I just want to jump in here for a second and just say it is such an honor for Bridging the Gap to get to partner with Project 42 this year. Um, I got the privilege of sitting down with Justin and Tara um, it was last December and sat across the table from them. And um, I think I cried most of the way through our conversation and Tara did too. So as they began to describe and unpack the mission of Project 42 and um, realizing that there was, that, that I was unaware of the amount of resources going towards the 42% of our world's population 
to reach them for Jesus and unaware of that and unaware uh, that there were 42% of the world's population. That was astounding to me. And I feel like I, I walked away feeling so embarrassed that how, how could I not know this? And now that I know, how can we not do something about it? Which is exactly what Tara, what you were saying was kind of your story when you guys began to realize that and began to think, how can we know this and not do something? And so I hope that Tara and Justin's heart is translated here to mean, how can we know and not do? It's one thing to be ignorant. It's another thing to know and do nothing about it. And so I am just more compelled than ever to support an organization like Project 42, among a few others that we are partnering with this year. But just wanted to say, I'm. it's just an honor, just an honor. We had a Project 42 partner with us at Thrive. And, um, and she shared so brilliantly and so beautifully. And um, so she was downright contagious. The room was just, they were with her. And now that room of women know, like they, they know none of us can, can claim ignorance any longer. We all know that there is great need. So anyway, I just wanted to jump in for a second and just mention what an honor it is to partner with you all. Multiply your giving this Christmas season by giving toward The Hope Project. The Hope Project supports organizations that are reaching others with the hope of Jesus Christ through evangelism, discipleship, and compassion. This year's Hope Project partners include Project 42, Africa's Hope, Venture, and WorldServe International. Want to partner with Minnesota Women in reaching our 2022-2023 Hope Project goal of $500,000? Well, now is a great time to do so. Because of a generous and anonymous donor, all Hope Project gifts given by December 31st at 11.59 p.m. will be matched up to $20,000. Double your Hope Project giving by donating any amount at mnbtg.org slash hopeproject. Again, give your tax-deductible year-end gift at mnbtg.org slash hopeproject and your gift will be matched. Thank you for your partnership in sharing the hope of Jesus around the world. Tara, thanks for sharing more about what Project 42 is and does in your heart. And even just with awareness, I'm looking on your website, which I encourage all of the listeners to go to. It's project42partners.org. So project42partners.org. But there's a page with stats and definitions and I love this quote you have by Martin Luther King Jr. It says, nothing in the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance. And then you added that this is true when it comes to our global missions, efforts, and strategies. And then giving some different stats, like 70% of evangelical Christians are unaware that there are still people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus. Like Angie was saying, how how can this be that we haven't known this? And I guess, how can you know, though, unless you've been told? Just like who are trying to reach, how can anyone know the gospel unless someone tells them, like it says in the Bible. Um, so once we do know, that does compel us. And another stat here is only 29% of Christians believe that reaching the unreached of the world is very urgent. Can you expound on that a little bit and what the urgency of supporting missions and giving towards this? Why is there an urgency? Absolutely. And um and I, I want, before I get to that question, I just want to, something that both of you said that I just want to speak to, because we hear it so often. And I remember feeling it myself, that feeling of embarrassment or like, I've, I've grown up in the church my whole life. And I've even had a heart for missions, the better, like from as far back as I can remember. Um, but that idea of you almost say, well, this can't be right. It compels you to start doing research on your own, which is what we did, because it just doesn't seem right that you would go this long and not know it. And I guess I just want to encourage anyone listening um, to, you know, again, let the Lord open up your heart and research and take time to learn and educate yourself. And we're happy to be a resource however we can But I also think it's important to keep in mind, um, I feel like the Lord's really opened my heart 
up to this, the aspect that um, there's a spiritual component to this entire thing also. Um, there's an enemy that we all have that knows that his demise is um, imminent. Um, scripture is very clear in Matthew 24, 14, that this gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. And so Jesus' return is contingent on every people group hearing, and the enemy knows that. And so it, it is in his best interest to keep the church in the dark, to keep people blinded and distracted from the reality of what it means when the unreached are reached and everybody has a chance. Jesus comes back for his church and we all get to go home. And I think that's what all of our hearts long for. And I know personally for me, with each increasing day, my heart longs to go home and I ache for time with in the presence of Jesus. And I ache for time with those that are already there ahead of me. And so I just want to encourage everyone to um, focus, focus your heart on realizing and just praying into that, that um that people's eyes are open, that our hearts are opened up to the spiritual component of this, and that we're willing to go to battle on our knees and with our resources and watch the heavens open on behalf of the unreached, because I truly do believe it's God's heart that we do that. And now, Kristen, okay, I said I was going to get back to your question, and now I forgot what it was. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. And I wanted to just tail off of what you were saying too about gaining more awareness and having a heart for this. If I don't already have one, we were both at the same missions event last weekend and the speaker was saying how his wife is into tiny houses. And that's not really something of interest to him, but because he loves his wife, he becomes interested in what she's interested in. And so almost choosing to be interested in what you are and Jesus is very interested in the world. And so for us to learn, to choose to become interested, to ask God, what is it that I am focusing on that you wouldn't have me focus on? And what should I be focusing on? Open my eyes to see people. Um, and he, he will. And I'll say one more thing on that, just to personalize on the days. And there are plenty for all of us where our hearts struggle to yeah. stay focused on what we know the Lord has put in our hands or what he's put in front of us. And for me, I know that what can get my heart laser focused and something that I've learned as I've walked with the Lord um, the last many years is a true understanding for his fatherly heart. Hmm. Because I think of the unreached and I think of his lost children. And, and again, people, your, your neighbor that's lost is just as important to the Lord as the woman in Saudi Arabia who's lost. And yeah. we finish one over the other, or as if one is more important than the other. Right. Our project 42 is just the issue of access. We believe and have a heart for anyone and everyone who's reaching the lost anywhere. And we believe it's all of our jobs that you walk across the street to your neighbor with a gospel proclamation and across the cubicle at work. But our laser focus, in addition to all those things, is trying to raise awareness on the access piece. So I just wanted to clarify that. And then also just to say, you know, when I think about my three kids and I think about if I were to lose one of them, and I have, I've lost one for no more than five or six minutes, but it's like the worst five or six minutes of my entire existence. And I think if I were to lose one, there is nothing I wouldn't do. There is no length I wouldn't go to. There's no risk I wouldn't take. There's no sacrifice I wouldn't make. There's no thing, no question that I would not be willing to ask of somebody else if it meant I had even a sliver of a chance of finding my lost child. And I think sometimes we think that in God's mightiness or in his largeness, that because he has so many children, he cares less about Oh, if you lose one here or there. And he's shown me that that is a lie from the pit of hell. He cares about every single one. And so, you know, I just, when it feels remote to you, when your heart has a hard time understanding how to care about the unreached, 
personalize it in that sense and just say, Lord, help me to understand your father's heart because it would gut me if I lost a child. And if we could feel that burden that the Lord has for a lost one, much less one that he is desperate for someone to get to, to tell. um, And they're sitting there waiting for someone to come tell them. And his church isn't responding. His ones that he's asking to go aren't listening. I just, I can't imagine the heartache of a, of a father in that case. And when I've been in some of these places around the world, I've looked in a woman's eyes at the shop or playing with her kid at the park. And I'll have this thought in my head and I'll think, but for being born on the side of the world that I was born on, I could be her and I would have no access. Hmm. And believe me with this question of why, why did I get to be born in the United States? And she's born in Turkey and has no chance unless somebody comes and tells her or, you know, and, and I don't claim to know how all of it works in God's sovereignty. Um, because I do believe he has ways and means of reaching his children through ways that we don't understand. But at the end of the day, I know that his command to us in his Bible and his scripture is go into all the world and make disciples. And so this burden has just been born in my heart that because like you guys both said, because I do get to know, because somebody did tell me, because I have this rich privilege of knowing about salvation, it's my responsibility to do something so that more can know. And so Kristen, to your question about urgency, it all came back full circle. I think that urgency is that the Lord talks about how the harvest is ripe and he's asking for more laborers. He's asking for more workers. And I think, and I actually heard this from a missionary who, who told me this and it really stuck with me. They said, the harvest is perishable. We just finished harvest season here in Minnesota and any farmer will tell you if you don't get out there on time to harvest what is ready to be picked, it perishes. Mm -hmm. I think, I think scripture's analogy of the harvest is for us to realize that like, we don't, we don't have forever to just take our sweet old time to get to the harvest. It's a perishing harvest if we don't act. And, um, And so that's the urgency that I know gets in my bones, (laughs) both the urgency to get to a harvest that's perishing and an urgency to get to my heavenly home. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And what you were saying about even going to reach your neighbor or your your coworker, it's that person has just as much value in the eyes of God as someone across the globe. And so God is asking each of us, we have different roles to play and how with Project 42, even you're connecting two different mm-hmm. roles together. I love that it says in the Bible too, the body is many parts. Yeah. And so with everyone having a different part, like what do you do next? You know, how can someone know what their step is in reaching the unreached or reaching the non-believer that's down the hall from us? Absolutely. Well, I would, I would say this great commission that we read about in Matthew 28, 19, where Jesus' last command to his followers was go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And I think it's important that we all know that that, that command was not given to a group of missionaries. It was a given to a group of people who called themselves followers of Jesus. So the, the great commission is not just for a group of missionaries. It is for every single person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus to engage in. Now, that does not mean that everyone is meant to go overseas and to leave their culture and learn another language and proclaim the gospel. It does mean that we are all supposed to live with eyes wide open for anyone the Lord puts in our paths to speak his truth and his hope. I will say when it comes to the the aspect of going to all the nations, I do think that requires everyone engaging also. It requires some to go, but it requires some to send with their resources to support and invest in. We have missionaries tell us all the time, we will go. We will go to fight on behalf of those who have never heard. We will take our families. We will pray. We will fight on our knees. But they said, we can't go if we're not sent. We cannot go if we are not resourced. And so they would, they would chime in very quickly and say, 
The one who goes is not more critical than the one who sends. Both are equally important and they are part of a pipeline that if any person steps out of their role and says, I'm not doing it, the pipeline breaks down. And so, um, I would say the same for people who are, are prayers. Um, prayer is an enormous part, a part of this equation. Um, I've seen people that take this incredibly seriously, um, praying for missionaries, praying for unreached people groups. There are so many resources. Um, Joshua Project is one. Um, and I can get all of some of these to you to, to post that are helpful. And I believe we do have them on our website but that you can sign up and get like a unreached people group of the day to pray for. Um, But I do believe that prayer is something that is um, easy to kind of put at the the bottom of our task list because it feels less tangible, but I truly believe it's one of the most powerful things we can do. And missionaries attest to that all the time that without our prayers, they don't want to go. They want to be, they need to be held up. Um, There's also the role of welcoming people. Um, Here in the United States, we're surrounded by foreigners. More and more, there are refugees here. There are people here from other cultures. Um, If you live in a town that has a lot of um, college students or a university, there are a lot of people that come from other countries with the intention of studying and then going back to their country. Many of the countries they're coming from are unreached, closed access countries. So look at the amazing thing that the Lord does right there. He's bringing them yeah. to neighborhoods, to our places. And statistics would say that the vast majority of foreigners that live among us have never been invited into the home of an American, much less the home of a Christian. And so that's another creative way that I believe the Lord is calling his church to welcome the foreigner into their homes, to make friends, to proclaim the gospel to them and see what the Lord does with that seed to a whole nother that you don't have access to from your home here in Minnesota. So there are so many roles that we can all take in this great commission. And I think we're all supposed to have multiple roles. We're all, we all should be praying. We all should be investing with our resources and equipping those who are willing to go to the front lines. That's so good. I love it that there are creative ways and how you were saying God has brought the world to our doorstep where we have mm-hmm. this wild opportunity where we can even share the gospel with them. And it's not where we're in danger or they're in danger but it's right here. And so Mm -hmm. just asking and seeing, okay, God, what is my role and what's my role right now? And as far as access and money, I just want to talk about that a little bit, even awareness of funds. So in giving, when we give to missions in churches and things, just a interesting point is the amount of funds that go towards reaching people with access versus people without access. If you just want to share a little bit about that. Sure. Statistics and research would reveal the fact that when it comes to the, the, the church, the church as a whole, we consume about 90, well, I should say about 99.9% of that is spent on things that are not going to the unreached. Um, things within our own church walls or within communities. And again, I say this with the caveat that it is not, um, they're not bad things. They're not, they're bad things at all. I just think, Justin and I think that the Lord is trying to work it, wake his church up to wake leaders up to, um, the fact that more resources are needed for the unreached and, I think that we need to also guard against this idea of working out of a scarcity mentality that, oh, if you take, if you take some from this part of the pie, then to to go to the unreached, then that means less for this. I think the Lord works in miraculous ways. I think kingdom economics don't necessarily work that way. Believe that when we put the kingdom first and God's priorities first and his heart for the nations is so evident throughout scripture. I don't think anyone can argue that the nations and the foreigner is not a priority for God's heart. And so I believe, and I see it played out in our own personal lives, our own personal finances, much less the at River Valley Church, where I've gotten to be a part of for 16 years and in Project 42, when you put these things first in your finances, there's more than enough to go around for all of that the Lord is asking you to do, whether it's in addition to local ministry and local outreach, um, but that we don't have to operate out of this idea that it's a 
either or. You can be local and you can be global. The Lord, I believe that that's the Lord's heart and it's in alignment with that. But we would certainly say that there is a great deal of room for improvement in terms of seeing the distribution of the resources because it is so heavily in favor of everything but the unreached right now that it is our ambition to little by little or hopefully a lot by a lot see that pendulum start to swing where much more resources even just 10 percent of all church resources were going to help the unreached and there's a, a quote by um a missionary um, from decades ago that said, if you, if you saw 10 people carrying a log and you saw nine people on one side of the log and one person on the other side of the log, which, which side would you run to, to go help? I think we all know that you would quickly run to the side where there's only one person trying to carry that log. And so I would argue our approach should be the same when it comes to how we're looking at our resources and how we're investing in resources that the pendulum is so far to the one side right now that if we want to help, if we want to engage, if we want to be serious about seeing this trend change, then let's run to the run to the side and put our, our resources and our investment with those who are working among the unreached, the organizations that are working among the unreached. And that's, that's what we're trying to do. That is amazing. And again, you, your six areas, you said mobilization, scripture translation, church planting, creative access, compassion, and awareness. And so if someone gives towards Project 42, those are the types of projects and initiatives that their funds will be helping to support. Yes, absolutely. And and we've talked, Angie and I have gotten to talk about um, specifically with Bridging the Gap and the partnership with Project 42. And I just... You know, I want anyone listening um, to know that 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 partnership in our heart is to come alongside um, the the frontline workers who are going. And I wish that I could line them up right now on this podcast and have you hear their voices. And Angie um, alluded to one who got to be at Thrive a few weeks back and her beautiful heart and contagious love for Jesus and the people that she is getting to serve. Um, but I, I am telling you that these, these women, these families are some of the most um, beautiful, faith-filled, backbones of steel, selfless, inspirational families and women that I have ever gotten to be around. And I alluded to it earlier, but when you get to hear their stories and um, what they are willing to do um, and how they love the people that they're going to reach, you're compelled to say, what can I do? I want to help. And that's what with this partnership with Bridging the Gap, that's what you get to do. These, these resources are going to go to these families on the front lines to resource them, to encourage them. We want these families to know that they are loved. They are supported very often. And I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast, you know, missionaries, you know, some of these people that are working and you know, it can be a lonely road and it's a hard road. And they get over to these places where they are away from their family. They're away from everything they've ever known. The end time to try to discourage and dissuade them and convince them to come back home. And so one of our greatest, um, passions with Project 42 is that these workers know that they are not alone, that there is an army of people on this side that are saying, we are standing with you. There's nothing we won't do. There's nothing we won't give. If you need us, we are here. Project 42 supports 220 missionaries every single month. And goal is to see that number grow prayerfully maybe double in the next year. Um, but these resources that Bridging the Gap is going to be, um, you know, partnering and investing in Project 42 is going to go to those families. Um, we're hoping we can do extra gifts, extra blessings, extra things that say there's an army of women in Minnesota that say we believe in you, we're standing with you, and there's nothing we won't do to come alongside you. And so that's the vision, that's the heart, is to stand with them with our prayers, certainly, and with our dollars. That is so amazing. 
thank you for the work that you do and for helping people get connected to how to help. And Angie, as we're talking about them being a Hope Project partner, can you just share a little bit about the Hope Project, what our goals are for this upcoming year? Sure. And Tara, it's so fun to have you on here. The podcast listeners can't see us, but we are, the three of us are on a Zoom call and it is just, it's always fun to be with Tara. So Tara, you are inspiring and I am just more compelled every time I'm with you to advance, to just keep moving forward. And I love how you talked about what the Bridging the Gap dollars are going to go towards with Project 42. And I just imagine that word encourage and just Mm -hmm. literally breathing courage into missionaries and their families as they are lonely and tired and maybe at times discouraged or overwhelmed. I can't imagine living in a place where there is not another believer for miles. If you've if you've never been to a part of the world where that is the case, I can tell you I've been to a part of the world that is like that and it is a there is a pervasive darkness that feels so overwhelming. And when I imagine living my life there, planting my little kids there. So the missionary that we had at Thrive this year, they have little children. They're not grown and in college. They're not, they are little children that they have with them. And the um, the amount of pressure on parents, but imagining that pressure just from a whole different side of things, just as a parent being in a place that is that dark. Mm-hmm. And the kind of fears that you would have for your children is a whole nother pressure and weight to carry. So in talking about Project 42, I just imagine the women of Minnesota literally breathing courage into these young families overseas. So a few other projects that we have going this year, and that is with Africa's Hope and specifically scholarshiping women with Bible college scholarships so that they can go throughout the continent of Africa and share the gospel. So there is one particular Bible school that we're working with Africa's Hope to develop curriculum in, and that's in Nigeria. And if you look at the continent of Africa, Nigeria is situated middle north and just north of Nigeria is part of that, what we call the 1040 window, where what Tara's talking about, the 42% of the world live, part of them live there. And so strategically, Nigeria is a Bible school that we want to invest in because we know that they will send people out from there to go north and they can easily get into those countries and share the gospel. And so that's a project that we're working with as well as Venture, which is a Minnesota-based ministry. We're working with Venture on border patrol stations between India and Nepal, and they are identifying potential victims of human trafficking and being able to work with them, as well as women's conferences in Nepal, another part of that 42% of the world. And we are continuing on with a project with WorldServe International with providing free feminine hygiene products to 20 schools in Kenya where they just don't have the finances to be able to purchase feminine hygiene products each month with their menstrual cycle and young girls end up selling their bodies or skipping school and staying home. And I can't imagine being home one out of every four weeks and the kind of education that you would lose in that time. I also can't imagine my daughter who is 15, having to sell her body in order to be able to go to school and have feminine hygiene products, something we so take for granted. So those are our four projects for this year, Africa's Hope Venture, Project 42, and World Serve International. Our goal this year is uh, audacious. And our goal is $500,000. And I say that with great trepidation because that sounds like a really big number to me, but I know it's not a big number to God. And so I've done a little bit of math and I'm not a math whiz, but if 3,000 women gave $167, we would reach $500,000. That is 46 cents a day. And to a lot of women, that sounds like a lot. $167 sounds like far more than they 
they could they could bear. And I know that in this economy, five hundred thousand dollars sounds maybe borderline insane. I just I just trust God and I trust his plans for this world. And what Tara said when she said that the harvest is perishable, I just don't believe we have time to not do something. So if you can't do $167, do something. Almost all of us that are listening can do something. So that's 46 cents a day. We took our largest offering at Thrive this year and I praise God for that. It was $103,000, which is just astounding and so excited about that. And if you have given, I just wanna say a huge thank you. Huge, huge thank you. So Kristen will let you know where you can give and just so appreciate you, Tara, being with us. Thanks, Angie. Yes, you can give at mnbtg.org. That stands for Minnesota Bridging the Gap. So mnbtg.org slash hope project. And on that website, you can also watch videos from our Hope Project partners, including Tara. And then in the show notes, we'll also put some links straight to the Project 42 website and some of the other references that Tara had talked about. And this goal goes through next October when the Thrive Conference happens again, and we'll have more projects to connect with. But $500,000 goal for this next year, you can give on our website. So thank you both so much for coming today. Tara, thank you again for the work that you do and for helping to raise awareness and give people opportunities to to invest. So thank you for coming on and hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bridging the Gap podcast. We were honored to hear from Tara Mack and Angie Getz on Project 42 and the BTG Hope Project. Would you consider giving a year-end tax-deductible gift toward our $500,000 goal? Just go to mnbtg.org slash hopeproject to see videos on our Hope Project partners. And because of a generous donor, gifts that come in by December 31st at 11.59 p.m. will also be matched up to $20,000. Go to mnbtg.org slash hopeproject to give $10, $25, $100, or any amount today, and your gift will be doubled. As always, you can stay up to date with Bridging the Gap by visiting our website, downloading the Bridging the Gap app, and turning on notifications, and by following MNBTG on social media. We also invite you to rate and review this podcast to help others find this resource as well. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next time on the Bridging the Gap podcast.